0: to another episode of MJ's progress not perfection. Today's guest is Nicole. Nicole had dealt with a lot of trafficking in her time. She was human trafficked, um sex trafficked, whatever you want to call it, um prostitution, you know. She, you know, she has literally the craziest, you know, before and after that I've ever seen and don't worry, it's in the first like minute we get right into it. It's how I came across her. I saw the before and after on one of the, you know, Facebook groups for opiates. And I, my mind was blown that that could even be the same person, you know, looking I mean, you're going to see, we're going to get right into it. Um, so just some trigger warnings about human trafficking and sex trafficking there to come in this episode. Okay. Welcome to the show, Nicole.
1: Hello. Thank you.
0: I appreciate you taking the time, um, you know you have i think the most shocking before and after that i've ever seen so yeah. far like unbelievable you know you look amazing right now compared to like wow so first off how long were you in addiction
1: um so it i started when i was like 19 and then um i got sober when i was 27
0: so that was in 8 years yeah Okay. Now, can I, what were your, what were your main go-to for drugs?
1: Um, heroin and, um, crack cocaine.
0: Okay. Now where like, where, where were you like doing all, cause like, I'm always curious, like in a city.
1: Yeah. So I was in Columbus, Ohio.
0: Okay. All right. You're actually, I talked to somebody from Ohio yesterday that was in the same area as you. Oh, Okay. Um, and they used to drive down to Florida six times a month to get thirties. Oh, wow. And that like blew me away. But the thing, what I know about Columbus is that it's Ohio state country and, (laughs) you know, the colors run blue in my family. So, (laughs) you know, my only experience with Columbus was driving through like a Burger King coming back from a Michigan game and then not, not wanting to serve my brother and I through the drive through because, we were wearing Michigan blue because that's where oh my we were gosh. the day before. They're like, you know where you're at, right? Don't get out of the car. Just when right. we give you this food, get back on the highway.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Furious so, fans. So,
0: yeah. Did you, have you been there your whole entire life?
1: Yeah. So I grew up in Johnstown, which is like 40 40 minutes from downtown Columbus.
0: Okay. Yeah. And what was your introduction to drugs? Like, Was it like a childhood thing? You know, just um, to go back to that.
1: So my dad's an addict, and um, so my mom tried to keep it away from us, but, you know, we saw things, and um, then in high school, I just started hanging out with the wrong crowd, started smoking weed, and then um, started doing pills and drinking, so that's, like, it just led to harder things.
0: Yeah, okay, that makes sense. I mean, because it looks like you just dove right into it like at 19 you're just like all right where's the dope at like let's do this and like was that like your full-time job was you know trying to get high and then getting high
1: yeah so um I was in a program called catch court and it's for human trafficking victims so I was um in different situations and I didn't really understand human trafficking and like yeah there's human trafficking where they come and take you and sell you like that but there's also where they seek you out they look for vulnerabilities and weaknesses and they see you struggling and those people just come and find you and like promise you a better life and promise you all these things that you know with my addiction flying high at the time it they promised me what I wanted, which was drugs and money and just to not have to struggle. And um, so that was the start into being trafficked. And um, that lasted, I that probably was going on for like five years, the last five years of my addiction. Um, and... The program that's here really saved my life. Turned it around completely.
0: So they were they were more into like here we'll give you shelter mm-hmm. and we'll give you money for your for your drugs to support that, but then you got to do this this and
1: that. Right. So they would like talk a good game and like give you something and then when they were done, like they felt like, "Oh, I have control of her." Um, they're like, okay, this is what you need to do to pay me back. Like I took care of you. So now you have to do this for me.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And so they, and they basically found you like, were you living on the streets at the time? Were you homeless?
1: Yeah. So I was living on the streets and just staying like in houses that, you know, trap houses and just flop houses, just anywhere I could really.
0: Pretty much whoever was going to talk to you that day and then offer you a, a place yeah. to, stay, to sleep. Definitely. Yeah. And well, when did you have your first kid?
1: Um, I was 17 when I had my daughter. Um, and I was in her life for the first, like, four or five years. And then my addiction got so bad that I ended up letting her dad take custody of her.
0: Okay. That yeah. makes sense. I mean, cuz at that point you could barely take care of yourself, let alone a kid.
1: Right. And I felt so horrible for leaving, but I knew that I couldn't take care of her and the best decision um to make was to make sure she was safe and able to have the things she needed.
0: Yeah, cause at 17 you weren't really like doing drugs yet. So like just like this is a high school boyfriend.
1: Um So, yeah, we were dating in high school and we were drinking and stuff then. So, um, I mean, I started drinking like when I was 16. So it just started with alcohol.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's I feel like a lot of us that's, you know, that's the gateway. That's the starter for us. Yeah. And then you meet somebody else who's like, why are you doing that when you can do this? Right. (laughs) You know, was that the because like, how old are you now?
1: I'm 31.
0: 31. Okay. So yeah, when you would have been, you know, that was when the height of the pills when you were in high school then.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, pills were everywhere, especially according to, you know, the girl I talked to before that was on just another episode, a couple episodes ago, you know, they were everywhere. Like her and her husband would come back with like 2030s alone to your area. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So that's like the opiates I started with Uh, perk 30s and um, I was doing that for a long time and I could not find them Um, and they were just really hard to get you're getting fake ones and um, one of my friends at the time that I went to high school with um, she was like try this and it was heroin and I snorted it and from there it just got worse
0: yeah, I can imagine. I mean, if I see, I stuck, I loved pills and I did pills and I was obsessed with pills for nine and a half years. And it's only because I love pills so much. I never did heroin. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was going to figure it out. And a lot of people would give up and go right to heroin. But like I was dead set, like I was always going to find a way or find them.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I. D- you know. Yeah, I I've known of people that were like I will I won't go to heroin. I'll just keep doing my pills and I'll figure out a way to get that done.
0: Yeah, I got lucky. I definitely got lucky yeah. that I had that, you know, where I was like no, I want these though. I want these. And also I knew that subconsciously like if I do heroin, I'm never going to do pills ever again. Yeah. Because I'm sure that was, you know, the case even for you that you only ever did pills ever again if you were with somebody who was like, no, these are free, just take them. Yeah. Besides that, you weren't buying pills ever again after that. No. Why would you? You Right. And that was always in the back of my mind is, and I loved pills too much to not want to like lose them because I knew the high was higher. Like. Shit, I yep. knew the high would be higher if I smoked the pills, but I was I was addicted to sniffing them. I was all of the entire ritual, and yeah. you know, you were an IV user. I'm yes, only assuming by the picture that yeah. you know, even though it wasn't that clear of a picture, I could still see the track marks.
1: Yeah, um,
0: you know, and I mean, what were you like, seventy-five pounds?
1: Yeah, I would I got as low as like seventy, I think, at one point. And I had abscesses all over me because I would just not care to even try and like get it in my veins. I just wanted to get done what I was doing and go back out and get more money.
0: Were you working on a street?
1: Yeah. So um I would go back and forth from like working for an escort service and then going and working for on the street and then, um, like back page. And, um, I had like multiple guys in my life that would provide me with stuff and I wouldn't have to go on the street, you know? And then, um, I lived in this house. It was like, um, trap house and this woman and her husband used to keep us all all the girls there and they'd wake us up in the mornings and get us well and then kick us all out and we were not allowed to come back whether it was like negative 30 degrees out or you know 102 you were not allowed to come back until you had money for them to pay for what you had already used and to get more, and the only way to eat or shower or have shelter is to make sure you brought money back to them.
0: Yeah, and for anyone who doesn't know, get well means get high. Yeah, you know, like anyone <laughs> that doesn't know, yeah. like I, I, and towards the end, I feel like I wasn't even getting high anymore. I was just getting even, you know, yeah. getting well. You know and, getting by. You know, feeling like I feel now, except for now I don't need the drugs to make me feel right. the way I feel. You know, that was the worst part about it. I'm like, I just I wanna feel normal yeah. again. You yeah. know? <laughs> and yeah. so what did you ever have any rehab stays in those eight years or jails? I'm sure yeah, you, so, you had to have gotten picked up for prostitution at some point.
1: Yeah, um a couple times, more than a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did rehab when I was on pills, um, right after I had my daughter and I left because I had overdosed, and my family was like, You need to get help and everything. And as much as I wanted the help, I, I wasn't ready. And so I ended up leaving and tried to stay sober on my own. It didn't work out. And then um, you know, my uh, disease just progressed, and um, then when I moved to Columbus, I um, was in and out of jail for prostitution, like paraphernalia, and all kinds of other stuff. And then I would get out and tell my family, like, "Oh, I'm gonna do the right thing. I'm I'm gonna do it this time. I can do this by myself." And always go back to what I was doing. And, um, the last time when I was 27, I got picked up on some old charges. Like I had went to jail before that. And I had like, uh, I missed court and they had let me out so fast that they didn't notice I had a warrant. Like they picked me up for like paraphernalia and they put me in jail for it. And then they didn't know I had a warrant already. So I got out And then after that, I went back and I was in jail for like three months. And while I was there, I was talking to some girls that were waiting to for beds in a program. And um, she's like, you know, if you really want to change your life and you really want something different, if you're tired of like doing the same thing and just not like going anywhere then ask for this program, which is the catch court program that I told you about. And they help human trafficking victims and women that are in and out of the system get sober. They put you in a, um, like treatment center and it's long-term treatment. So I was there for two years and, you know, you have to do all this stuff, like, groups and meetings and I got I mean I really got into it and really like took in everything that they were saying I going into the program I had an open mind the whole time and this is the first time I let myself let go of what all this past stuff and all the people from that lifestyle that I was living I let them go and actually open my mind to living differently And, um, yeah, I mean, it worked out. I got a job and I was going to school and just, you know, it just went uphill from there in my recovery. Personal life, it was a little different. I had met someone and my program was like, you should not be with him. You know what I mean? Like he's bad news. And, um, I ended up opting out of my program, still stayed sober, But I opted out because they didn't want me to be with him. And you know how relationships are when you're in recovery. It's like, uh, you just, I was just tired of listening to everyone, even though I should have, um, but he was using and I would find, you know, paraphernalia and drugs in the house. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, we're trying to start a life. You're, you're supposed to be sober. Like, why? Why? why am I finding this stuff? Like, you know, how much work I've put in, why, why are we going through this? And he just wasn't ready to get clean. You know what I mean? And eventually I left because I had to think of myself and I had to think of my daughter. And, um, when I left, I ended up meeting, uh, my second daughter's father, who is amazing. (laughs) Like, um, he's not an addiction and, um, Honestly, it's the most healthy, healthiest relationship I've ever been in. Um, We communicate, and we are still learning each other. You know what I mean? Because it's new. But, um, yeah, we ended up having a daughter, and she's three months old.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. And you get to see your other daughter on weekends?
1: Yeah, so I get her every other weekend. And then on the opposite weeks, I get her on Wednesday nights
0: that's really cool that you get to like get that relationship back and you know what I mean like how long did it take of you being sober you know before like you could see her again
1: um so I think I was like a year sober before her dad um was willing because I put him through a lot too um when, when she was younger and he just didn't trust me around her, which is totally understandable. I get it. So I've been like these past four years, I have been working my butt off to get him to trust me. And, um, so it's taken a long time to get to every other weekend and every other Wednesday, but it's, I think it's good for her because it's given her time to adjust to me being back around and knowing that I'm not just going to take off.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, especially when she probably didn't hear from you for a while, you know? Yeah. So all of a sudden you're back. I mean, and I'm sure how was your relationship with like your parents while you're in another, like you're in addiction, like you were even talking to them.
1: Yeah. So my dad is in, he lives in Missouri and he's, in addiction right now. So he would, um, come and see me and we would actually use together. Um, now our relationship is distant just because he's still using. And I know that. Um, but I, I am there to support him. I'm always like the one that just wants everyone to be happy. (laughs) And, um, so, that's how he was in my life. When I was in addiction, my mom and stepfather, um, tried to help me, but towards the end, um, they just stopped talking to me altogether because I would make promises I wasn't keeping. And it was breaking my mom's heart. Like she would, she was not able to sleep at night without thinking she was going to get a phone call that her daughter has died. So, um, But now our relationship is super strong. Um, They're in our in my life like we we just went to the Sunflower Patch yesterday with them. So, I mean, she's super proud and just loving that I'm here and so grateful that I chose to save my life.
0: Yeah, because, you know, being an addiction, our days look all alike, kind of. They're all kind of run together. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like there are some days when like you know it's straight survival,
1: yeah,
0: you know, where people won't understand unless you've been in there, where you don't know what's gonna happen, like you must feel like you're in a movie, you know, and you feel like you're the star of it, and you're not sure yeah. when the other shoe's gonna drop and you're gonna be dead, right. I mean, how many overdoses did you have? Do you know?
1: Um, yeah, so I had the first one and I actually had to go to the hospital and get put on IVs and stuff and I was there for like two or three days. And then um When was that was, though? When was that? That was when I was like twenty, I think, twenty, twenty one. That was like when I first started using heroin. You know what I mean? Um, and I had left rehab and relapsed and, you know, and I was just wrong place, wrong time. (laughs) And then um, there's been times where I have like been super out of it, but I don't know if it was like an overdose, but I know specifically one time, um, like it was like the last two months I was out there. um, I had, that's when they came out with that blue fentanyl or it was blue stuff. And I had, did just a little bit of it and I don't remember anything and my friend who's actually um one of my best friends now she's sober too she she's like over 3 years clean and um she actually saved my life she like prayed over me and I was not breathing she they tried putting me in the shower and um nothing was working and she said she just prayed over me and all of a sudden I just took a deep breath. And I slept for like seven, eight hours after that. And then woke up like, What happened? What's going on? But right after that, I went back out because I woke up sick. And I hey. I went right back out. Like my heart stopped and the addiction was so strong and it was pulling on me so hard that I just was like, I gotta go. Like I have money to make. I have to get what I need.
0: Mean. Yeah, that's and I mean because so when did you meet? When did you first get into like meet these people that were gonna take you in and you know what we know now is human trafficking, but they wouldn't have called it back then. You know, uh, they're just calling yeah. it like a safe house. You know what I mean? Where you can right. be safe and get high and we got you and yeah. present it. You're actually the second person to have that kind of experience. that makes you feel any better on my show. Um, and that was actually my first guest and she was, didn't even, you know, you don't even know when you're in it, what's happening. Yeah. You're just saying so, this is normal.
1: Right. So I, um, like with the escort <clears throat> service that I got into, I was dating a guy when I first moved to Columbus and he had friends. It was, um, a man and a woman, older married couple they lived in Bexley. They I mean, they had a big house and they picked me up one day because he called them like, I like, I need her to make money. So basically he was like giving me to them. And so they took me in and was like, you know, we get a percentage of your money and you can't talk to the men we send you to. Um After, you know, you see them, you can't spend your money anywhere else. You have to spend it with us. Um, As soon as you're done, you call us like you have to pay for the driver. And what I didn't know before I got into my program was that even something as small as someone driving you to make money um, by prostitution is trafficking. So, the person driving you to get the money, they're trafficking you as well as the person paying you for those things.
0: yeah, yep, that makes complete sense. Um, uh, when was that picture taken that you know that picture that I saw that I just put up?
1: Um so I wanna say it was like three years before I got sober.
0: So it got worse Uh, than that.
1: Yeah. So it got way worse than that. Two or three years, I would say. My mom had texted me because we barely talked. And she was like, hey, you know, I miss you. I just want to see how you were doing. And I was like, I'm doing great. I'll send you a picture. And I sent that picture to her. (laughs) And she said her heart just fell to the floor. And she texted my sister and was like your sister just texted me and said she's doing great and my sister like hadn't talked to me in a while so she thought like I literally meant like I got clean and was doing good and my mom sent her the picture and my sister called her like we need to get her out of there and my mom's like she's not gonna do it until she's ready like they were both just so heartbroken and looking back and seeing that picture I was like what was I thinking?
0: <laughs> Why would I send that thinking I look good? Like, right. is that it? Is that it? You know, I'm not trying to be. Is that a picture that they used like on the escort site? Like, hey, um, look at this girl.
1: I don't know if they ever did. I don't think they did. But I was going to say it's not really an
0: advertisement for sex. No, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Just so
1: be careful with the bandage
0: on her arm. I don't. Right,
1: know. <laughs> right. Like, no, um, no. So. that picture that day, I kind of like remember what was going on. Um, I hadn't showered in forever and the people that, um, you know, were making me go out and walk the streets and make money. They were like, we're not giving you any more stuff until you take a shower. And I was like, are you serious? And I have money. And they're like, you need to take a shower. And I was like, you know what I mean? Because no, I'm not going to make money looking like that. And my hair was all matted. Like my hair was down past my waist. And um, in that picture, you can kind of see in the front, like it's just completely, like I didn't have it put up. It was matted to the back of my head. So, and yeah, like it was crazy.
0: It sounds like it. Now, (laughs) when, now in your sobriety, um, Mm -hmm. do you work a program?
1: Um, so the first two years of my recovery, two and a half years, I would say, I went to AA and, um, I did some NA, but I kind of just like with AA, I just, when I would hear people talk, I would put my own Substance in for like the alcohol, but I also have a problem with alcohol, so I wasn't gonna like I could relate to and um so I was going to meetings every day, even like when I got further in my program, I would go to two meetings a day, three meetings a day because I was done with I had graduated my groups and was working and going to school for um To get my associates in addiction studies, which I still have to finish. But um, I was super into it. And I started speaking at meetings and all that. And then eventually I just like kind of got away from going to meetings um, because of the marriage I was in. He was using and it was literally consuming all of my time trying to make things better. Um, so, but I like ever since COVID started, I've done some like on video and I make sure that like, I, they connect it with people on my groups on Facebook. And, um, I'm actually after the program, um, after I was done with the program, there's a group you can get into called the butterflies and it's for women who have, you know, over a year of recovery and um just need to stay connected. And so I'm in this group and they have meetings weekly.
0: Especially right now. Well at least a lot of it's people place and thing, let's be real. Like, you know, at least you're with somebody who's not, you know, an addict. Yeah. And as we call a normie. Yeah. So, you know, that I'm sure that helps, you know, and he's understanding of your past, it sounds like.
1: Yeah. His brother, um, he has a twin brother and he was in addiction for a long time and he's seven years clean now. So he, um, going into the relationship, he had a grasp on addiction and what it kind of looks like from the outside view.
0: That's good because not, you know, not everybody does unless they've been affected by it in one way or another. Right. Um, so did you go through the steps at all?
1: Yeah. So, um, my first sponsor, I went through all the steps with her and that's how I was able to, um, do a couple, like I did five, four or five leads at different meetings. Um, and yeah, I mean the fourth step, I, I don't know. I've heard like when I got to it, I was like so nervous cause everyone's like, Oh, it's so hard. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm okay with like looking at what I've done and knowing I need to like write that down and really consume what I've done and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. Cause that does help going forward. You know, that does help with, you know, the resentments part of it for people that don't know and resentments are a big reason that people relapse. Are there any like, you know, big things that, you know, an addiction where you look back and you're just like, I can't believe that was like, you know, what I thought was the norm.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, staying up all night and sleeping all day and literally like just working for people, listening to other people tell me like, oh, it's, this is the best way and it you'll be so happy. And I was never happy. I was so miserable. And um, I just, I'm just grateful to be out of that whole situation. Like I wake up every day and am so thankful that I was able to have the support because for me, family support's like super important, like having them around me. And then also, like, people that I've met in meetings and, like, the people that were, the women that were in the program with me.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, how long did it take before, like, you saw, like, actually you looked in the mirror and you looked better?
1: You yeah, know? so, well, I was in jail for, like, three and a half... I think it was three months, three and a half months. It's so hard with time because people will be like, tell your story. And I'm like, ah, it's so hard to tell like every part of my story, unless it's just like a conversation like this, like you remember things, but so much is so blurry. But um, probably like when I finally got to the recovery house I was in and was able to start doing meetings and doing my groups and actually looking inside and then I felt better outside
0: okay and then and then obviously you're in you know in the recovery in the rehabs and they actually feed you better than you would in jail yeah So you got to actually eat again yeah I'm sure that helped yeah you know where you actually started feeling comfortable again because it had to have been an uncomfortable feeling you know yeah you you just completely emaciated yeah. You know, so that has to be an uncomfortable feeling. Um, I have never got that way. I was the opposite. When I did drugs, I gained weight. I don't and I wasn't even like eating like I, it's not like I was like eating a lot. It was I think it was I think it was just because it was pills retained so much water. Yeah. And I was doing so much pills that I just think yeah. I was retaining so much like, you know, because I was pissing like once a day yeah and and sometimes it was like oh wait i didn't go to the bathroom today i should do that it wasn't like i had to it was just something that like i should do you know which is so weird to even look back and think like that was like normal like going to the bathroom in general was not a fun experience when you're an addiction to opiates. yeah not at all um you know and the shower I, i don't blame you because the shower felt weird yeah you know when you know people don't realize that when you when you got a shower when you were like in it you were almost afraid number one to lose your high yeah you know and two like that water hitting you it hurt yeah like, i don't know if it was a sensitivity thing i don't know the signs behind it all i know was like it, it didn't feel good right away
1: right and pushed. it took time away from getting high yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> that's what That was my problem with it. Like, anything that took away from me getting high, I didn't want to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're spending—how long were you out in the streets when you go work? Twelve hours?
1: Yeah, I mean, it would—it just depends on how fast, like, you make money. So, you're either out for an hour, half hour, or you could be out there all day and not make any money. Was there a certain,
0: like, goal you had in your head? Like, oh, I got to hit 200 bucks every day.
1: No. I just, I mean, I didn't stop until my body literally, like, like, I would stay up for, like, weeks at a time. So I wouldn't sleep until my body literally couldn't function anymore. So I would pass out after getting high and just sleep for a whole day and wake up like, Oh my gosh, how could I fall asleep? <laughs> like what? My body needs sleep. <laughs> I didn't it's, sign up for this.
0: <laughs> I think the longest I heard was somebody that I know in, in person, um, 32 days. Wow. Meth, you know, okay. all day, every day. And he was able, like, I said, how was this psychosis? Like he goes, well, I was in psychosis every day. Anyway, it didn't matter. Yeah. You know, but 32 days straight, and then he's like, yeah, then I slept like, six hours, and then you're up for, like, a week straight again. You know? Yeah. But he's got two and a half months, which is as long as he's had in 15 That's years.
1: Awesome. So, That's awesome.
0: So, you know, I'll be seeing him soon. He just texted me that, and making sure there's a meeting tonight. Nice. Um Because he comes to, you know, one a day, and so I'm like, yep, I'll be here, eight o'clock as I'm hopping on a call, and come awesome. on down, but, so, like, <laughs> um, and the I didn't get into zoom meetings myself. I, I was just getting ready to start this meeting center and mm-hmm. everything like that. So, and I was invited on to some, but I was just so like getting ready for this. And plus I was sick, you know, oh, okay. and like I, I had a gallbladder problem for a while and I just wasn't ever feeling up to doing anything. And yeah. I finally had that removed in a couple of weeks before we opened, Um, which, you know, I had my first experience with fentanyl in the mm. hospital two months ago. And I learned that my body is still rejecting opiates because mm. I told the doctors not to do that. Don't give it to me, and they gave it to me anyway because they're doctors and they know better. And I woke up high, and I knew I was high. And mm. they were like, "You're gonna be fine. You said you've been clean for three years." And I went into acute withdrawal right away and started vomiting for 18 hours. Oh, uh, so, that's the worst. So yeah, I
1: did Fentanyl the last like year of my addiction. It was. It's no joke. <clears throat> and what it, and
0: you, and so you were just strictly an IV? Any you only did IV though towards the end.
1: Yeah, towards the end. So like it started with pills and then um I when I started heroin I would snort it. Um I forget how I got on doing IVs. Um but
0: Was it a boyfriend that was experienced? It's usually you know, like
1: no, because I think it was like some uh, one of my friends, um, you know, from my hometown that I knew. Like most of them snorted it, but I think I was hanging out with one of them that actually shot it, and that's how I got on it.
0: So, and once you did that once, it was like, oh, this yeah. is what I need. This is what, yeah.
1: after that, I was chasing that first high for eight years. After that, you know what I mean, and it just never Never was as good as the first time
0: yeah and people think that that's like you know a myth or whatever it's not it really is not the same as the first the 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 high. you know I took two perk 10s and I was off to the races and no matter how many 30s I did it's still really you know I had been high again and I mean like you know we hit levels of being really really high but you don't have the same kind of feeling with the high. And I think that's what we're looking for is that feeling with the high. Yeah, yeah. I've been higher. Yeah, I got way higher than that. Yeah. But I didn't have the same kind of feeling with the high, like the I, the, I arrived. You know, they talk about it in the book, you know, yeah. I arrived. And you don't have that arrival feeling once. You can only arrive once, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> doesn't matter how many times you go out the back door and you come around again you arrive right. once Yeah. and the rest of it is just doing loops and trying to arrive again and replicate yeah. that high that you never ever get again where there are people that you brought down with you because like I know I feel like I brought down you know 10 people that not, not that they're dead right now but like brought them into addiction with me because they wanted to you know hang out with me or try to save me And I'm like, I'm going to keep doing this. And we can either hang out or we can't, but this is going to happen.
1: So most of the people that um, didn't do hard drugs, um, when I started doing them, I kind of left them in the past. So um, I was just meeting new people and going forward and leaving them in the past
0: and none of these you know customers clients whatever you want to call them ever tried to save you like hey nicole like you look like i know like you know you're here for something else but like you need to get out of this
1: yeah
0: that ever happened?
1: yeah there was this one guy who used to take care of me and he would try all the time because he wanted me to actually be like a real girlfriend. And I was like, that's not what I want. I just want your money. Like, that's all that matters. And um, so he would try and I'd be like, oh, I'll call tomorrow or I'll like, he'll set it up. He would have set it up and for me to like go get like for intake or something. And I just wouldn't show up to meet him, you know.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Because I was going to say, there, I, I would hope there would be at least one that would be like, no, know, And and then eventually you're like, oh, well, there's somebody that I can control. And, you know, he can think he's yeah. taking care of me. But really, I'm just going to keep him around because I want his money. Yeah. Like, I want things. You know what I mean? Right. Whatever he has to offer, I'm going to take it. You know, Um, what is that? Uh, Sugar Daddy or whatever. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I need dinner. Or I need this. But just give me cash, though and i'll I'll, I'll buy the dinner no no don't take me to dinner don't take me to dinner don't take me i need the money i'll buy the dinner myself
1: (laughs) right yeah i mean he um does he does he know you're sober now um i have not spoke to him
0: okay no i was just curious you know what i mean because
1: yeah eventually like Because he um, had his own demons to deal with, um, he started doing cocaine and actually almost died from that. Um, And that was when I was still in my addiction that I heard about that because we kind of like drifted apart because I had introduced him to other girls and they'd be with me. And then he started seeing them. You know what I mean? So like yeah, he would mention like oh, get clean and but he was married too. So yeah. I mean, yeah. his I know how that goes. the way he was looking at things still from his point of view were still just as wrong as mine. You know what I mean? And it was just a messed up situation.
0: Yeah, cuz you're like why am I going to take your advice? Why am I going to be your girlfriend? You got a wife at home.
1: Right. Like who you're not being faithful to, who you obviously don't love as much as you say you do.
0: Yeah, and but yeah, give me the stuff, and then and then leave because that's all I really need from you. Yeah, you know, you're using each other. Let's be real, you know, he was using you as you as much as you were using him. Yeah, and that that's a lot of you know a lot of addiction is a lot of using, not just using drugs, it's using people, manipulating people to fit whatever kind of thing you need that day or that month or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you know, you, you find out who really is somebody that, you know, like your friend that you used to get high with and now you're both sober, mm-hmm. you know, that's somebody who wasn't using you because they really just truly wanted to be in your life. Right. You know, that's something that, You know, I've learned at least. So you've been clean then since that three month jail stint. Yes. And it was that was the incident that brought you into sobriety was getting arrested for a prior charge. Yes. Which was skipping skipping court was the charge they brought you in at.
1: Yeah. So I had skipped uh, felony court for possession of. Drugs, I don't even know what drugs it was, but um I had skipped court, and I was constantly like all my charges you'll like um after they would charge me with something, you'll see didn't show up for court and then new charge didn't show up for court, so when I was getting ready that was the felony charge, and then I had a soliciting misdemeanor misdemeanor charge, and the program I was in was through misdemeanor court so i was um they accepted me into the program but then i had to deal with felony court and because i had ran so much after being charged and then letting me out not showing up for court um none of the judges were i was so scared going like none of the judges i'm surprised one even trusted me you know what i mean and i went into the courtroom and I forget which judge it was, but he actually was like, you know, you go out and work this program, we'll drop this charge, so we'll let you out on on an OR, and I'm so grateful for that, like, I wouldn't have had the chance to go do that, you know what I mean, I probably would have went to prison if he didn't do that.
0: Yeah, which, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to get high in prison than people think. Yeah. You know, and especially if you really want it, you're going to find it. Yeah. You know, whether it's through a guard bringing it in or through whatever running through the system already. Right. And I'm sure you already know that. But, like, you know, I actually, I did hear, though, from somebody, I forget who, that the men's side had a lot more drugs coming through than the women's sides ever in the prisons that they've experienced.
1: Yeah. So I know that in, like, I never have been to prison but I've heard stories about it and um all the men I've heard talk about it like there's so much and the women's like uh you know here and there but and when I was in jail um I can't speak for the men's side but I know when I was in jail like one of the first two times um there was actually somehow people brought heroin in you know what I mean and I mean it was going like we would pass notes from door dorm to dorm and they're like we have drugs over here and I'm like oh my gosh how are these people getting this stuff in here like
0: <laughs> practicing guards and a yeah. lot of because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they do a thorough check you know they yeah. do a, they do a lot more of a thorough check for jail than you do a rehab you know, rehab yeah. they do a pat down kind of check, you know, mm-hmm. but like jail, they're like checking, checking. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Worst, worst time of my life. We'll just say that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure that it did not, you know, I, I, I got, I got arrested a bunch of times, but never had. I always was able to get out of it or get out of, you know, bail out or whatever before I even had to do the whole jail thing. Luckily, I mean, there was one time that I got arrested because. The cops watched me do a buy. Then they conveniently followed me into a school zone where they pulled me over. Um, They waited for me to be in a school zone to pull me over. Um, So once I got out of that and I walked out of there, I got in my car. And of course, what did I do? I went right back to the dude's house to where I had just come from to buy more because I knew that they weren't watching him now because they were doing paperwork on me gosh you know what i mean and so my addiction is like no just go back and get more they're not there right now no so way, i did
1: yeah. yeah i've done that too <laughs> <laughs> so
0: yeah i'm not surprised you know what i mean yeah. like as, as you don't care at that point and even if they were watching fucking arrest me again i'm gonna get high before you arrest me right this time i'm gonna do all these before you arrest me this, i'm gonna enjoy my first couple of days in jail then yeah you know <laughs> you know <laughs> so that was my my thing as I never wanted to how was kicking in jail would you um, did they get, did they give you suboxin?
1: no, they don't give you anything except I for think like so ibuprofen um mm-hmm. and stuff like I forget the medicine it's called to make sure you don't have seizures um but my withdrawing stage in jail was honestly just cold sweats and sleeping like i'd slept the first 2 weeks i was there um i would only get up to eat and i made sure to eat because i knew that's how i was going to gain my strength back
0: yeah so you didn't have any kind of like stomach pro- like your stomach wasn't all in knots or anything like that
1: no i got lucky cuz there was some girls in there that i felt so bad for like Taking cold showers. And when I'm sick, like the shower, like you were saying earlier, like it felt like needles going into my body. And I was like, No, I can't do it. Like, they're hopping in and out of showers getting sick. And I'm just like, I'm just gonna lay here (laughs) talk myself out of it. (laughs) Sleep.
0: Yeah. So, and okay. So let's go fast forward back to now. Um, and you're trying to finish up your counseling to you get your associates in c- drug counseling, right? Yes.
1: Yeah, so, um, because I just had my daughter, she turned three months yesterday, actually. Um, I had taken a semester off, so I need to get, you know, back in the headspace and start getting back in there. But I only have like maybe a semester or two left to do. Um, and then um, I'm a stay at home mom now. Um, I was working for restaurants and I was the manager, but because she's so small, I've decided to like stay home with her um, and just do the family thing, you know?
0: What are you looking to do when you when you do get like your certification? Like, what are you looking to do with it?
1: Yeah, so I want to help other women who have been trafficked and, um, you know, even teenagers and, you know, young girls in addiction.
0: That's So, yeah, that's good then because that's what you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? You always want to, like, stick with, especially I feel like, Whenever we go through something and we find our way out, we kind of want to do the same thing to make sure others can know that we can find the same way, you know, they can find the same way because, you know, as well as I do, you know, do you think you would have continued or how long you would have continued if you weren't arrested?
1: Um, I would have continued until I got arrested. (laughs) Um, I was actually walking down an alley because I didn't want to walk down the streets because I was like, "It's a cop's drive past the street, they'll see us." And so we walked down the alley, and by coincidence, a cop was going through the alley and just picked me up. You know?
0: What? Okay. So, can you elaborate? Picked you up, like, like? Yeah. Just-
1: so he he stopped me, and I had just gotten drugs and had paraphernalia on me so he stopped me and um he searched me and then I had a warrant and he's like you know I have to take you in he's like if it was just honestly the cop was like if if you just had drugs and paraphernalia I would let you go but you have a warrant you know so
0: and you're with a friend yeah and the friend get taken in too, or
1: no, it was an older guy, so he just went home.
0: <laughs> oh, so it wasn't a friend,
1: right? It, it I was mean, a that's, in addiction, yeah, in addiction, that's what friends are, you know. Okay, So, yeah.
0: okay, well, I don't, I don't, well, what did you call an, a real friend then in addiction, like your girlfriend well, that's clean now? What, what would you have called her then?
1: Yeah, so I didn't know, like, I met her in addiction. So, I didn't know like she was gonna be like my best friend when like I didn't like when I got sober, she was still out there, yeah, um, so I didn't know we were gonna become friends and in that part of my life, the people that were in my life were friends, you know what I mean, that's what I knew as of friends because, like, oh, they're getting me high or they're giving me money, they're my friend, they care about me when and all reality. They were just doing that to get what they wanted.
0: Yeah. And how did you meet up with that girl again? Did you see her like in prison or rehab? I'm like, Oh my God.
1: So I, we, the court program I was in, um, we would have court every Friday morning and they would bring girls that were in jail out to plead into the program. And she came into the courtroom and she pled into the program and they actually like they have different houses like one out of town for people who don't think they can like be strong enough to stay in the city they send them to the country and then there's like two other programs like around Columbus and they actually sent her to the house I was in so Mm -hmm. out of coincidence and then we like we stayed in the same room and got super close and build a friendship from there.
0: That's awesome. Like the way yeah. that worked out. Yeah. You know, like I'm sure she had to have been relieved to walk in and see that you were looking good and yeah. looking a, like, were you looking a lot better by then? Like put some weight back yeah, on you. She, and...
1: Yeah. She came in like almost a year after I was there. So it was like nine months to a year, probably that she came in and, she was able to see me doing good and she's like oh my gosh you look like a totally different person like you if you wouldn't have told me your name I wouldn't have known that was you
0: (laughs) I had to have given her some hope right off the bat that she could get to where you're at you know like oh my god if Nicole can turn it around in a year then what could I look like in a year now
1: right yeah
0: and I had to have like was that the first time that you were able to like see helping somebody make you feel good
1: yeah so when I would go to court they would um some of the ladies that you would bring into the courtroom um weren't like oh I want this program they had so many solicit solicitation charges that they were f- like the system was like you need this program if you don't take this program you're going to jail Um, so they would bring some women in and, um, the judge, um, he would ask us like to speak from the heart to these women and just tell them like, you know, even if we had only been there a month, like how much different our life was compared to living on the streets and like that they don't have to live that way and that they can you know, have everything they've dreamed of in life and they give you a foundation for that. And just speaking those words to some of those women, um, there's so many success stories because of that program.
0: And that's how you found that you wanted to help people with it too. Yeah. Just from doing that all the time. That had to have been a good feeling every time you were able to talk to a girl and she was like, Yeah, you know what? I'll do the program.
1: Right. And I think honestly, like it made me stronger like seeing these women decide like like they had like 3 days clean and they're deciding like after they speak to us and hear our words that they're like yeah I want what you have like that made me stronger in my recovery you know yeah, it
0: gives you confidence yeah that you're that you're doing the right thing and that you're on the right track and that some somebody wants what you have for the first time probably in your life somebody is saying things to you, like, how, how can I be like you? Because, you know, that wasn't happening in your early to mid twenties. People weren't saying, how can I be like you? Unless like, well, maybe they were, but it was for a different reason. You know, maybe it was a girl being like, how do I make the money that you make girl? (laughs) That's not the kind of person you want to look up to. You You want her to look up to you later on now where they say, Hey, Nicole, how can I, be like you. How do I get to where you're at? What do I need to do? And what would you say? Like, what 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 was the first thing you would say to somebody like that came in that? What? Okay. This is the last question I have for you. Okay. Okay. If you were doing that program now, like, and you were talking to these girls, right? But what if you walked in? hmm You know what I mean? Like what if you saw you walk in what would you have said to yourself to get yourself into that program
1: yeah so I would have said to myself like there's so much more to life than being stuck in a hell that you feel so trapped in that you can't get out of um there's a life, a life beyond the walls that you've created. Um, and that the main thing I think for me would be the foundation because I never knew where to start. So, you know, building the foundation and they're handing that to you, like this program saves lives and, um, it's just amazing once you get, once you get past the first, you know, struggling day, a couple struggling days, um, you really start to enjoy sunsets and look at the sky and be able to look in the mirror and know that you're loved and know that you, you can love yourself again.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk and everything like that. Thank you again. I really Thank appreciate you. it. Have a good night and I Thanks will talk you. to you soon.
1: Okay. All right, Bye. Bye-bye.